0: Welcome to Live and Lead for Impact. I'm Kirsten Rosbogel, your host, and this is episode 249. You are in for a treat today. I have an amazing guest. I'm so looking forward to our conversation. She is upbeat and exciting, and I love what she's up to. So uh, her name is Mo Barrett, and she's a self-diagnosed successful failure. Love that already. Currently charting a course for people who want to laugh, learn, and think in that order. And again, love that too. Welcome, Mo.
1: Thanks, Kirsten. It's so awesome to, to be in touch with you. And uh, and I've been listening to your podcast and enjoying it. So I'm so honored to be on 249. Yeah. Well, welcome to 249. Yes. So
0: um, again, I can't wait to learn more about what you do because I'm so Me too up for, I mean, <laughs> I was just talking to someone uh, yesterday who's who is ill, quite ill. And, oh. but she's laughing a lot. And so we just Good. talked about the importance of that laughter. Cause she's doing more amazing than any uh, patient her doctors ever had. And, um, oh, awesome. you know, but still not feeling well, but you know what? Finding the joy and the laughter. And, uh, she actually said that last week, um, she went to the big celebrate. She lives out in uh, Oregon and, um, she went to this big celebration of the explosion of the whale or something like that and it That's was, that does not sound healthy for the whale. <laughs> <laughs> I guess it was. So yeah, I went, but it's like a tongue in cheek name, but they do a celebration every year. And it was, um, yeah, the 50 year anniversary of someone's really brilliant idea of, um, yeah, exploding a beach whale to try to clean up the mess and it caused a lot of damage, but anyway, a weird way to wow. say the topic, but let, so let me stop talking. <laughs> but anyway, she was just laughing and getting a huge, you know, they had an awesome Good. time and that's what it's Good. all about. Like finding the laughter yep. I'm assuming is what you're going to talk about. So tell me about
1: your work and what impact you're making in the world. So right now I am a speaker and my joy is to connect with people and really specifically to connect with people who want to laugh. Learn and think in that order. So whether it's uh, doing keynotes or workshops or moderating or MCing, I think there's an opportunity to sneak some learning in there and to give people something to think about. But laughter has to come first because um, I think that disarm. Well, just as your friend is discovering, and not not so much for the whale, but um, I-, I think that there's something disarming about when we laugh, and I think there's something that connects us when we find something to laugh about together. And as your friend is finding out, there's a healing property to it as well.
0: Absolutely, and I <laughs> humans are funny you know? And so it, yeah. oh, I yeah. think it's so
1: awesome to yeah share those illustrative stories that
0: can help us connect, find humor, you know, at ourselves. Uh, yeah. So what experiences have motivated you the most to make this unique impact?
1: So when I used to ask my dad and mom, how they met my dad, I would say, dad, how did you meet mom? And he would launch into this beautiful story about the first time he set eyes on this wonderful, gorgeous, angelic cashier at a Sears tool department and how he just stumbled over himself and he stumbled over his words and day in and day out, he would go back for like a week before he got the courage to ask this woman out. And it's like when he tells the story, there is There's a symphony behind him and it, there is, there's mood lighting and it's just beautiful. Then when I asked my mom, I said, mom, how did you and dad meet? And she can hardly stay awake during her story. She's like yawning. She's like, yeah, this guy came by for like a week every day, then asked me out at the end of the week. And I thought, wow, that is the same exact event. And aside from the fact that I wonder how my parents even got together to make me, um, the fact that my dad could tell this beautiful story that I wanted to hear all the time over and over again. And every time he would tell it, it's like a fish fishtail, the symphony got bigger, the mood lighting got more dramatic, but I never asked to hear my mom's version again, but it's the same event. And we have this perspective and how we tell about that event, I think is that's where the power is. And that's what makes people come back and want to hear more. And I think it develops the storyteller as well. But if we're going to tell a story and if we're going to make a point to illustrate, you know, use a story to illustrate it, let's make it worth hearing. Let's not put ourselves to sleep much less anybody who's got to listen to it. So that's when I realized the value of story, um, how important that is, is, is just way back then. Like, how did you and mom, mom and dad meet?
0: <laughs> I love it. I love it. Uh, and those are such fun stories to hear too. So, uh, you know, no more Tinder back then. Right.
1: <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. Swipe um, left or right. I don't know. Yeah.
0: So, um, so when I hear, so you're speaking and I'm assuming that involves storytelling, are you also helping storytellers?
1: So right now I'm not helping storytellers. I'm just getting, trying to get my own stories out there. So I just published a book called Pardon My Cork," which is the anecdotes I use when I speak. Um, and it, there are anecdotes to make you laugh, learn, and think again in that order. Um, so right now I'm not a storyteller coach, I'm just trying to model good storytelling.
0: Awesome. Well, maybe that's in your future. (laughs) That's what I'm hearing. (laughs) So tell me, as you think back to some of the audiences or people that you've shared your stories with, what is an impact that you've made with one person, or maybe it's a group that really
1: fuels your passion? Wow. Um, You know, so the very first time is a handful of years ago, the very first time I got to give a keynote it was a, a, a military leadership conference and I was the closing keynote um, for like a three day conference. And so all these serious speakers, professional development, and I get up there and I rehearsed and I had, you know, I had slides and I was trying to be funny and I was trying to have a poignant point and I was trying to give people something to think about. And, and I don't know if you're like this, but when you're up on stage and you're just making eye contact with people and you're just, you're just in the moment. I don't remember what words I just said. I'm not really sure what words are coming up, but I'm just in that moment and seeing how my jokes land and making and my points, you know, doing those pauses. And I'm just so in the moment. And it's almost like I black out. I tell people it's almost like I black out. But then as soon as I get done talking, I wonder, was I even speaking English? Like, I'm not even sure what I said when I was up there. And then you're just thinking, did I, a, did I deliver it in English? B, you know, did I make a point? Was it a good one? And did it resonate? So I get done speaking and I'm like, okay, now the conference is over. I just want to go use the restroom and get some water. And there's this line of people I'm trying to get through them. And then I realized the line of people are in line talk to me. And one of the first people there is this Coast Guard officer, and she's got tears in her eyes, and she's on the verge of crying. And she says, thank you for giving me permission to be me. And I thought, I don't know what I said up there, but that's not what I was up there to do. I was up there to make you laugh and learn and think. But somewhere in my stories and in the points that I gave her something to think about, she realized that she had been withholding part of what made her unique in contributing to the the greater mission that she was in in the Coast Guard. And I thought, that's why I want to do this that's why I want to continue doing this. Cause, and, and there was a couple of people that made that same, you know, that my, that, that told me that my points had resonated, but I will never forget looking up into her eyes and they were just, she was just about to cry. And I just, I just hugged her. I'm sure that's appropriate, but I just, I hugged her. And because it meant so much to me to know that I had landed some points that made an impact on her. And I'm like, that's why we do this.
0: That's awesome. So exciting. I'm wondering too, cause as you were talking, you know, describing this event. Um Maybe just even the fact that you are so different from all of the other speakers, yeah. it sounds like, and, you know, yeah. heading up the, you know, like the old, uh, closing the show, yeah, <laughs> right, right. like that's yeah. a lot. And so probably it was just inspiring, um, you know, for you getting up there and doing your thing. But I love that. Um, you know, how often do people feel like there's a part of them that's tucked away or, you know, I call it doing the lazy river way of doing life. Like they're not even making intentional choices, other people and just circumstances and things landing in front of them is like guiding their whole path. And they've never like dug their arms down in the water and just, you know, paddled themselves. So, um, would you be willing to share one of your amazing stories? I know this is not part of what we planned
1: but I, I would mean, love it. I would love it. Well, I mean, I can read them or just tell you one. I can <laughs> tell me
0: one. I don't want. Yeah, no. I know everyone can find them in your book, but in the yeah, link yeah, will yeah. be in the no. show notes. But yeah, I would love Perfect. to have you share one.
1: So, you know, one of the the one I am, um, the one that just popped into my head was um, when I was four. So I'm the last of six kids and my, my parents are significantly um, apart in age. My parents were 20 years apart in age. So my siblings, my five siblings um, were significantly older than me. But as the baby of six, um, when I was four years old, and every summer my my siblings would rotate who would take me to the pool. And so today I'm, I'm I'm going to the pool with my one of my older sisters and my older brothers. And my this particular sister is always like spoiling me with gifts, you know. And I just thought she must love me because she's giving me all these gifts. We get to the pool, and she pulls the latest surprise out of her backpack, and it is this hideous purple, huge child eating fang bearing dragon and it's i mean it it, it is just I mean, it's like the color of dried blood. And I know it's probably killed several children my age. And it's supposed to be this swim ring. And she blows it up. And I'm just scared to death of it. She puts me in the swim ring. And then she pushes me into the middle of the pool. And my brother and sister stand on the side of the pool. And they just laugh at me. And they're pointing. And I'm screaming. I am so afraid. And no one's helping me. And like, I black out the rest of the of the, the pool experience. And we get back home. And I'm just thinking, what did I do to my sister to make her hate me so much to to put so much fear into what was other otherwise a pleasurable experience to go to the pool. So fast forward a few decades, I won't say how many, I'm at my parents' house and I'm going through some pictures and yearbooks and just helping clean the house. And I come across this picture and it just brings back this flood of bad memories because it's a picture of me in this cute little pink, dainty, inflatable swim ring dragon. And I've got my arms around it and I love it. And clearly. I wasn't afraid of this thing that I had thought was so huge and, and child devouring. But because of a couple moments in the pool when I was afraid, I had to let it taint the whole experience of going to the pool, the whole relationship with my sister. And it, it affected everything. And it wasn't until I had that picture to show this cute little dainty dragon that I actually loved that I realized that I had cast these, these like negative emotions and attached them to this one moment in time when I was afraid and it affected everything going forward. But holding the picture, I thought, how many times do we do that? Do we reflect on something in a moment when we are scared and we let all those negative emotions flavor everything around it, all the other positive things, and it just overpowers it. And I'm like, thank God I had this picture to realize that I love this dragon. I even called him Dre Dre apparently. And um, I had forgotten all of that. And I think a lot of times. And I tell people we need to slay those dragons or deflate those dragons of things from our past that we have somehow let negatively color what is an otherwise positive event. Um, so that's the the purple dragon story is what I call that one.
0: I like that. You know, um, I think about how assumptions, which that was, uh, but of course sure. you were so young. You probably weren't in a place at the time to ignite a clarifying conversation, <laughs> but, yeah. um, but the illustration I think of is, uh, yeah, wow. You were, you had assumptions that kind of attached to that one story about your sister for years. Uh, I'd be curious, did you do any cleanup with her after, after? Yeah. You saw I mean, our, our,
1: our relationship is, is much better now. You know, I don't, I don't hold that against her because I know now that she wasn't holding it against me. So, um, but, you know, I, I continue to get great. Get, and I think forward on it. And like um, if she said, if I went off the high dive, I would get a fun dip. I did off, go off the high dive. I did get a fun dip. So the, the relationship was better. But um, I just remember being so afraid of this thing. And then and now I get the picture and I just laugh. And I'm like, what else in my life have I just misremembered basically? And then, you know, harbored those, those negative feelings towards somebody who was involved in that heinous misrepresentation.
0: (laughs) Yeah. It's amazing how our memories and not only do they kind of, you know, send us on a path of thoughts going forward, but also, you know, they can live in our bodies. And so I, I love the, um, yeah, I love that illustration in so many ways of, it was a misremembrance of Mm -hmm. an event that, yeah, that stuck with you for so long. So thanks so much for sharing that. Of Um,
1: course, of course.
0: So as you're you know, launching, uh, you know, releasing your book and launching into more speaking opportunities. What is the biggest internal or external challenge that you've had to overcome and how did you overcome it?
1: So when I was in high school, I made the decision that I was going to apply to the Air Force Academy. So I did what every high school student is supposed to do. I went to my guidance counselor um, and I told my guidance counselor, my plans, my guidance counselor, cleverly disguised as the head football coach laughed at me. And he basically said, he goes, Michelle, you're you're not smart enough. Your grades aren't good enough. Your standardized test scores aren't high enough. You're never going to get into the Air Force Academy. And I thought, man, here's like this responsible adult. So I thought who's supposed to be guiding me and then gives me that negative, that just all this negativity and all not all the ways I could do something, but all the ways that I wasn't going to be able to do it. And I kind of was dejected and I just thought, man, I really want this though. You know? And I thought, I still can do this. And I'm just that conflicting like self-doubt and responsible adult telling me. And then I went home and my sister made this real casual comment. And she said, if they had allowed women at the military academies, when I was applying to colleges, I would have done anything to apply. And I thought, yeah, that's what I'm going to do. And I think that self-doubt, and and there's a lot of points that I get from this story is that self-doubt is my biggest challenge right now. Like thinking, oh, who who wants to hear my story Or, or why me or why... Why should I get up and tell my stories? Because I've had nothing traumatic or tragic in my life. But it also tells me that the words that we use have an impact on people. So the words my guidance counselor said uh, negatively impact me. My sister was making just a casual, offhanded comment. I mean, I'm lucky I even heard it, but that's the one that changed the trajectory and said, you know what? This is something I want to do. This is something I can do, and I'm going to do it. Um, no, it took me two years to get in, but um, I think it's powerful that we, we, Take caution about the the words of others that we put in our heads and the words that we listen to. I think we have enough naysayers, um, and sometimes I'm my own worst naysayer. But finding that tribe of of counsel that can can help you um, see what you can do because sometimes we're so close to our goals. Um, I, sometimes I feel like I'm just about ready to give up. I'm like, "Ah, you know, I don't have it. And then you find somebody who says, you know what, you can do this and just stick by it. So self-doubt is the short answer. Self-doubt is my biggest challenge to living and leading with impact. But then again, finding those people who believe in you and can cheer you on and kind of pull you out of that, that rut when you're in it. That's, that's the biggest thing I would say.
0: Oh, so many great illustrations in that story. (laughs) Uh, and I'm going to, I'm going to share a similar story actually, but I want to talk about trusted advisor status. Because that's the thing, because, you know, trusted advisor status in our lives should never be dependent on the role or the title that someone has, because Hmm. they might have intentions or objectives that are not aligned. And particularly if you are working to live and lead for impact, because so many people, one, either don't understand this life, like what in the heck is an entrepreneur? What are you doing? You know, go get a job, those kinds of things. They don't understand it or, and I've seen this very clearly too, they have their own fears, their own sense of why haven't I done something similar? And so they need you to fail so that they can feel okay. And yeah. you need to make sure that people that have those kinds of objectives are not speaking into your life. And it can be hard. Yes. And we can be our own worst critics, but on top of it, if we're being loosey with who we're allowing um, into our heads. And mm. um, I have, I want to share, I as you were sharing that story, I I had, um, I was taking a, it was high school as well. And uh, I was taking a vocabulary building class. I think it was my senior year. I figured it was junior or senior year. She hated my guts. And I was a good student. I, you know, I, like top of my class, all that kind of stuff, but she just hated my guts. And so, um, she started making all kinds of comments in front of the class. So, um, like one time I forgot my book and she said, Oh, well, next time, why don't you just send your book and not even show it won't make a difference anyway. Um, I needed to miss the class to go take a, um, uh, Oh, what are those called? The, where you, you're trying to test out of science in college, those uh, AP. So Uh um, I had to miss her class. And she said, you're taking an advanced placement. Why would you take an advanced placement? You'll never. Yeah. Yeah. Horrendous. And literally everyone that was in the class, my friends, they were like, I'm going to get there early because I want to see what she's going to say to Kirsten next. Yeah, it was almost daily. Mm. Yeah. Um, So my little, but yeah, thank God I didn't let her in. Cause I just thought I've still am like just shocked that, you know, that a high school teacher, but, um, we had to write and I got an A in the class by the way. Um, but I, (laughs) and I was getting an A while she hated my guts too. That was what was funny. (laughs) But, uh, but anyway, the, for the final, we had to write a paragraph using a bunch of words that we had learned during the class, uh-huh. and again, it's vocabulary building. So there were these. I remember erudite was one of them. But anyway, the whole content of my paragraph was about the role and responsibility of educators, nice. and uh, that was my little parting gift. <laughs> But anyway, I thought about that, but yeah, I mean, and thank God I had friends around me who could laugh because otherwise I might've cried because, you know, but her role didn't give her the right to have her words like eke into my brain. No way. Yeah. So, yeah. So well, yes, it's good for, be careful. It's good that you
1: were able to discern that difference because I think some people who are in the lazy river of life might've let her, you know, impact and, and, and get in there and get in your head. So it's, it's good that you were strong enough to, um, to paddle your own raft.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I don't know how I did it at that young age, but so the lesson is, yeah, don't let someone just, even if it's a boss, even if it's, you know, sometimes right. it's a parent who doesn't have yep. the right intentions really. So pick yeah. your trusted advisors. Wow. Well. Now as you're Sister's still a trusted advisor, would you say?
1: she sounds like she's I mean, done
0: good, you know, giving yeah, you she's, some motivation she's Still in time. my life.
1: Yeah. I'm, I'm, you know, I've, I've got a, a pretty good panel of uh, a wide array of trusted advisors. So that's good.
0: <laughs> good. Yeah. You need them for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, right. so, so tell me, um, how do you stay motivated and moving during tough times? And I ask this because it can be so inspirational. Anyone who's working to live this life, uh, you know, is running up against some challenges.
1: Yeah. Um, you know, I think a lot of times I talk about, you know, like kind of the purple dragon, just taking a step back and reflecting. Um, one thing my partner I do is we have a jar. We have a mason jar on our mantle. Uh, we don't have a mantle right now, but we have it on the kitchen counter. And um, what we do is whenever there's something funny or stupid or just something that makes us kind of giggle or laugh or just whatever, we put it on a post-it note, fold it up, put it in the jar. And then on New Year's Eve, we go through and read the notes. Like I'm talking asinine things. Like uh, my favorite is when um, there was an incident in the Safeway wine aisle and you know we it happened and then we uh, put it in the jar. And then on New Year's Eve that year, we wrote, we opened it up and said, I farted in the wine aisle at Safeway, you know? So, um, (laughs) but, but it's those little things that happen every day that are mundane things that make you laugh, like capture those. And I think you, you were talking, I think it was with Rona Lewis and you were talking about how kids laugh, you know, 300 times a day and adults are laughing seven times a day. Like we need to take advantage of those things and find those, the magic in the mundane and just, um, just capture them, just write them down. However you capture things, it doesn't have to be every day. I'm not a great gratitude journaler. So like I know I'm grateful for three things every day, but I'm not great about committing it to paper or keyboard, but find the magic in the mundane. And if it makes you laugh, then just hang on to that and then write it down and find some way to retrieve it later when you maybe don't have to wait till New Year's Eve, but just find a way to capture it so that you can kind of reflect on that. Cause those, those things that make us laugh, we have an opportunity to laugh again. We just kind of forget about them and we go all adulting and, and forget to. Do Those things, but just I love the the mundane, yeah, yeah.
0: Well, and don't take yourself too seriously, like, yes, be goal oriented, yes, you know. But again, as I was saying, humans are funny, and uh, you know, anyone who coaches with me needs to be ready for laughter yeah. because even though we are sometimes covering <laughs> tough topics and, you know, things that just feel so daunting, like challenges, but I mean, our response to things, the stories we tell ourselves the you know, so often really are funny. Yeah. I mean, and, and yes, those mundane, silly things that happen day to day, uh, you know, drop the, if your number one thought is, oh no, what are people going to think of me versus, oh my God, this is freaking hilarious.
1: Yeah. Uh, yeah. you know, yeah.
0: have a goal, man. I love when I cry till I, or laugh till I cry and uh-huh. my stomach is hurting. Like, that's amazing. And I do it all the time. My husband <laughs> so even do you, says hey, like, do you Oh you no, know, she's going to the bad place. And it's, <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, didn't you, but- don't you have, um, like I have this one, it's a 10 minute blooper reel and it's news anchors. I can be in the worst mood or just down on everything. And if I can get myself to hit play on this YouTube link, it's, I don't know what it is. I am laughing till I'm crying and it's just not to laugh at other people's misfortune, but they're, they're taking it lightly too. But, um, you know, just. Blooper reels. I don't, I have this go to blooper reel. And a lot of times I tell people, find your blooper reel, find the thing that makes you laugh without fail. I can be sad. I can be depressed. I can be anything. And I will watch this and I will be laughing by the end. And again, it's kind of like laughter yoga. Your body doesn't know the difference sometimes between real and forced laughter. But I hit my blooper reel and I tell people, find your blooper reel. I just, my reel that just makes me laugh every time. I don't, you know, and what makes people laugh is different for everybody. But something about these news anchors and their laughter just, cracks me up every time. <laughs> oh, that sounds like a good one. Or how about autocorrect? Oh my gosh. Cry oh yes. Till yes. I, or laugh till I cry every
0: time. <laughs> yeah. And even if I've read it before, it doesn't matter. Yeah. I mean, they are, <laughs> uh, they are so funny. I might have to, you might have to send me that link for the blooper reel. Yes, uh, I know I will. I know the top one from years ago and I know everyone's seen it was the, the, the guy, I think he's in the UK or somewhere and he's got the big world map behind him and he's on some like international news story trying, you know, show trying to be very buttoned up and everything. And, and his daughter comes wheeling in, in her little, um, and it, like, if it had been choreographed, it couldn't have been more perfect. (laughs) And
1: (laughs) And then then his wife wife comes in. Yes crawling, crawling, trying to slide them out. It's like, oh, it's just, just own it, man. Just own it. Like this is life. (laughs) Yes. Another one. I know we're getting a little off topic though, but um, so my
0: husband's so into disc golfing and so is my brother and they were here and they were watching and being all serious. And it is really cool. And it's an international thing. It's going crazy right now. And um, actually the biggest tournament in the the world happens right by our house, which is cool. But anyway, they were... (laughs) The guys that were interviewing and talking and like being the announcers were out in the woods. And so I started finding that funny, you know, and then I'm already crying uh, because it just looked ridiculous because, you know, they're they're in shorts and like just regular shirts, but with trees behind them. And then they're trying to be all serious with these microphones. And then and then the camera panned or like panned away and they were both both of their microphones were attached to a box that it was in the one guy's pocket and I lost it because they were tethered and they were doing a turn. And the guy had to like, from the other side, he had to flip around. And I mean, laugh till I cried. That was like great humor all summer for months. My brother would be like, tell that story again. Couldn't even make it through. See, I'm getting better now. I can at least talk about it. I got a lot of mileage out of that one.
1: Oh, that's fantastic. <laughs>
0: So, um, uh, tell me what words of wisdom do you have to share for others who are working to make their impact in the world?
1: Um, you kind of already said it too. Don't take life too seriously. Um, but I'm going to tell you one more story that, that I, I use, um, for myself. I was, I was walking uh, toward a mail room and walking away, walking toward me away from the mail room was this mom, very, in a very busy pace and a little human behind her. And I assumed the human belonged to her because a little human was saying, mommy, mommy, let me, you know, wait up. Mom's like over her shoulder. Come on, we got to go. We got to go. And the moms, the little girl's like, mom, I just want to hold your hand. And I felt bad for the girl. Now I don't have any two-legged kids. I have all four-legged animals. (laughs) Um, So I don't know what it's like to be a mom. I don't know what it's like to be that busy that I can't hold my mom's. My daughter's hand. So I turned around and reversed course and I grabbed the little girl's hand and I said, I'll hold your hand because someday your mom is going to be begging you to hold her hand. And the little girl puffed up and we just kind of walked right past the mom and the mom heard me. And then, like, all at once, I saw her body go through like frustration, um, uh, alarm at the stranger danger element of things. Um, and then resignation and kind of this, not that I was right, but that there was an opportunity right there in that moment that she was letting go. She grabbed her daughter's hands. They slowed their pace. I let go. And the two of them walked off. And I realized that I don't need to have been a mother or a parent to to help that parent um, find the magic in that moment. And so I think that a lot of times we think, oh, nothing traumatic has happened to me, nothing tragic has happened to me. So I don't have a story to tell. I don't have um, a perspective to share, but we do. And I think um, I, I had a great childhood. I've had great, my setbacks are nothing in comparison to what other people have, have dealt with. I know you've had um, dealing with your son and um, some of the things you've written your books about. Um, and so I know you've had challenges. I've got nothing like that, but I still have a perspective to share. And I always think about just turning around and grabbing that little girl's hand, probably against my better judgment, but grabbing that little girl's hand and letting her know that her mom had an opportunity and her mom realized too, that she has an opportunity to be better in that moment. And so we don't have to have lived this grandiose existence to share our perspective because everybody's got a story to tell, everybody's got a unique perspective and we need to share it. And above all, we need to laugh. So finding the magic in the mundane, laughing, learning, and thinking, and just connecting with people. That's what we need right now. I think there's too much division. And if we can connect and find what makes us um, the same, there we're, we're going to discover a lot of overlaps.
0: Oh, yes. Uh I love that. Yeah. You don't have to have had major (laughs) obstacles or challenges or anything. I mean, really it is in our storytelling, we're connecting and we're connecting with like where people can relate to what you're talking Mm -hmm. about. And then when you add that um, inspiration or that thought provoking, whatever it is to the story, now you've connected and had them thinking. And so it's, it's, it doesn't require the big challenges and overcoming humongous things. And also So you might not see some big, huge impact in the moment, right. you know? So that right. wasn't huge, but you never know the ripple effect right. that you grabbing that hand. And maybe that mom is still thinking about that day and is slowed down and is, is more present ongoing more often.
1: And then or maybe not that's going gonna... to the cops for, you know, like... <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah, we're not, yeah, we're not advocating grabbing children's hands, no, totally. no, not at all. <laughs> but I love that you took the opportunity to, and it was the message, um, and the intentions right. behind it. Right. And I love your message too about, yeah, let's overcome this division. We are so alike uh, regardless of what we might hear or what it might feel like in the world. There's so much for us that is um, where we have similar goals, similar intentions, similar wants, needs, and desires for ourselves yep. and our families. And so if we could focus there, uh, we really still are <laughs> very much alike. Yep. Yeah. 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 Well, thank you so, so, so much. So for- Maslow. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yes, exactly. So tell me what kinds of people are you looking to connect with and support? What kinds of speaking opportunities? Let's get some people connecting with you.
1: Yeah. Honestly, I, I really, um, the the people that don't take themselves too seriously and realize that there is um, a teaching opportunity and a learning opportunity within the laughing and learning and thinking. Um, and so I, I love moderating panels. I love, I love the improv nature of of life. And that's one thing I love about the live stage is that as we come out of this Zoom world we've been living in. Um, but just anybody who needs like a moderator or um, you know, just needs a dynamic keynoter and and just somebody that can lighten the the mood, but still deliver the teaching opportunities and the landing points. Um I, I love to to personalize things. Again, MCing, moderating or keynoting. I, I love doing that stuff. I just I love connecting Connecting with people and I love connecting with people who don't think like me. So um, I, again, love finding that similarity in where we can work together and connect. Awesome.
0: Well, thank you so much. So if you are someone who is resonating with what Mo is talking about, absolutely reach out to her. So, and all these links will be on today's show notes, but we have, um, you can find her at mobarrett.com. That's M-O-B-A-R-R-E-T-T dot com or on her LinkedIn, which is you guessed it, (laughs) M-O-B-A-R-R-E-T-T, or Facebook, Laugh, Learn, Think. And again, all those links will be uh, available to you. And um, I want to throw out there that I've got some gifts, uh, uh, multiple uh, opportunities, some freebies that I would love to share with you. And you can find those by going to myimpactacademy.com forward slash gifts. So I love to over deliver, but you'll find all kinds of um, little quizzes and tools and things to kind of evaluate your own relationship, bust through fears. Uh, So please take advantage of that. I would love to uh, support you in that way. So again, that's myimpactacademy.com forward slash gifts. And Mo, thanks again so much. And I look forward to connecting further.
1: Yep. Thank you so much, Kirsten. I really enjoyed it. And I will get that blooper reel in the email to you. (laughs) Awesome. And oh, by the way, today's show notes you can find them by going to
0: defeatthedrama.com click on the podcast tab and go to episode 249 and in the meantime get out there make your impact be it small or big you'll never know the ripple effect that you're creating so thanks for listening take care